it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Turf Show Times, the instant reaction podcast where we get together after every Rams game and talk about it immediately, good or bad, rain or shine, and it's monsoon season because the Rams fall to the 49ers 31-14, to offensively looks bad, defensively looks bad against Christian McCaffrey. And overall, the standings in the NFC and the Rams record at three and four really puts a big question mark on uh, the trade deadline and how the Rams expect themselves to be moving forward and how fans expect them to be, which is what we'll talk about right now. Um, Starting with you, Chris, uh, I'm here. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me, Chris Daniel. With me, J.B. Scott. You can find us all on TurfShowTimes.com. Chris expectations um for you know the playoff hopes are we going to be able to talk are we going to be able to talk about the playoffs in you know november uh so i i i really hope so so the problem here is with debo samuel not being available i was hoping that the rams would be able to get this w um obviously that didn't happen in terms of playoff standings, it's obviously still early, but Seattle's looking good. Uh, San Francisco, if they can keep this up, you know, they obviously have swept us this year. So that's going to be terrible for us in the standings. The Cardinals getting healthy, bringing back DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but it's only one game. And, you know, as I said before, the, the 49ers are just a different team against the Rams. I'd be interested to see. Uh, interested to see if they can keep this up against their other opponents down the stretch. Yeah, good point. You know, I uh, got to keep that in mind. Um, it uh, it helps when the Rams also play well uh, in enough of their other games, although now, you know, half of their losses are to a team that beats them pretty consistently. And we saw the Rams survive that last year, you know, losing to the 49ers. And so, you know, there is that part of it. But, JB, do you feel like you watched a playoff contender? Uh, or do you feel like, as uh, Chris says, that this game is not quite indicative of how the Rams should be viewed? Well, I think it shows that maybe you're an elite edge rusher away. I think that was really your big problem on defense. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo had time to sit in the pocket and really be surgical and extend plays and get creative. Where If you look at that touchdown to McCaffrey, uh, he held on to that ball for a long time and he was able to, it was a wheel route way out of the deep backfield. So um, if you have an edge rusher opposite Leonard Floyd, who recorded his first two sacks of the season, had his best outing of the year, uh, maybe the story is a little bit different, but so I, we'll see what the Rams do and see if they get aggressive ahead of Tuesday's tread deadline. But I guess a silver lining is that the next three teams you play, the next three teams you play all have losing records. And if you take care of business, maybe you're at six and four. And the 49ers are only at 500 at this point. So uh, maybe it's a big assumption that you take care of business against those teams. But uh, maybe it's too early to write things off. But you are looking at 
you know, two games in the second half of the stretch against the Seattle Seahawks, who beat the uh, good Giants team, a team that's only lost one game heading into that contest. So uh, things are going to get interesting, and the Rams aren't ready to be counted out, but there's significant reasons to be concerned about their viability this year, certainly. Yeah, that's true. Um, I will point out, you know, well, in one case, last season against the 49ers, it was the Rams' lowest scoring game of the year, 31 to 10. Uh, and that was the only time that the Rams had scored fewer than 16 points at all, all last year. And they only scored fewer than 20 points two times. And, you know, that was part of a offense that won the Super Bowl and uh, did so with some offensive explosiveness. This game, uh, the Rams lose 31 to 14, similar to the 31 to 10 loss last year. However, the Rams have also scored 10 points, 10 points, 9 points, 20 points, 24 points, and 31 points. So already now four games lower than their second lowest scoring output for all of last season. And I was thinking about this where I'm thinking, hey, at the Super Bowl, at after at that point, who would you have said were the three most important players on the Rams offense? And you would have said some combination of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and then some people may have said OBJ. Some people may have said Andrew Whitworth. You may have a different answer. And no matter what the answer is, you would think, okay, well, the Rams just continue to build around Stafford and Cup, their most important players on offense, unquestionably, and things will be okay. But this offense just has no explosiveness. There are injuries to be taken into account, of course. But, you know, uh, Chris, who would you say what were the important players from last season on offense um, or coaches? I don't know. Kevin O'Connell's doing pretty well. But who are uh, those missing parts that all of a sudden when the Rams you know, it'd be different if they lost this game 31 to 27 and looked like they were throwing punches consistently the whole time. Uh, who are those missing parts that they need? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with uh, uh, OBJ, the three names you named, OBJ, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, uh, OBJ obviously being gone. Looking at it now, um, big width absence is, is clear. I mean, we're down to our, what essentially is our third string left tackle at this point. Uh, in the offensive line, I mean, they 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 didn't get straight bullied, but it's still not going to be good enough going forward. Uh, Andrew Whitworth may have changed it a little bit, but he wouldn't have been a difference in such a a, a wide victory margin for the 49ers. Um, it is encouraging though to see to see some signs of progression within the offense in terms of uh, Allen Robinson. But if we don't figure out how to run the ball, the receivers, you could put any receivers out there. We have to be able to run the ball. We have to be able to run the ball when they expect it. We have to be able to run the ball in short yarded situations. We couldn't pound Matthew Stafford, that rushing touchdown. Yes, it was obviously a score. We'll take it. But, it was the last – it was the worst-case scenario in terms of scoring. They knew what we wanted to do through the air, had everything locked up in, in, even when they were committing penalties, and then we could not pound that rock to get in the end zone from short goal, short goal line situations. We got to figure out how to be able to run the ball. 
Yeah, 21 carries for 56 yards on the day, 2.7 yards per carry, a long of six yards. Uh, that one coming from uh, Daryl Henderson, who had four carries for 16 yards. Ronnie, Ronnie Rivers had eight carries for 21 yards. Malcolm Brown had five carries for 10 yards. That was the distribution with Ronnie Rivers getting the majority of the playing time out there and the important touches, I guess, for the Rams, which uh, really, I mean, what are we really talking about here now with Daryl Henderson? You know, I mean, that was a... At some point, you know, we're going to have to have a podcast dedicated to the Rams draft picks because, you know, of all the talk, it's like focus so much on, you know, it's a good thing that they trade those first round picks, you'd think, because their picks are not working, uh, whether the it's the player, whether it's an injury, whatever, you know, use two day, two picks on running backs in back to back years. And the result is Cam Akers, who doesn't, you know, want to play here or doesn't fit in here or whatever it is. And Daryl Henderson who, you know, isn't capable, whether you say like, well, this is his best role. It's like, well, then that's, that was too high of a draft pick. If that was his best role, then that was too high of a draft pick. So 21 carries for 56 yards. Matthew Stafford had the touchdown, as you mentioned, and he went 22 of 33 for 187 yards and a touchdown. And, uh, you know, it just feels like such a uh, offense that just, so much different than what they were last year, JB. Uh, the question to you being the same, you know, what's missing here and is it fixable? Yeah, I'm not really sure what the turning point was between the first half, which was very encouraging. The Rams offense didn't look like they could be stopped. And then in the second half, you know, maybe it was the early drop by Cooper Cup over the middle. Uh, maybe it's just in the 49ers starting to get more pressure, but I really don't know like what changed. But I would go back even further than last year's Super Bowl team as far as their most important players. And I would say that, you know, you cut Todd Gurley in 2019, well, after the 2019 season, and you still have never replaced him. And, you know, Sonny Michelle is probably the best running back that you brought in in terms of this whole stable. But you run out an undrafted rookie in Ronnie Rivers and really feature him in the screen game. And, you know, they had nothing going on the ground. Uh, Darren Henderson had 16 yards. Rivers had 21 yards. That's not impressive. And, I think maybe the 49ers weren't scared of the run game and they didn't have to honor it. And they were able to tee off on Matthew Stafford. And really that's what put him behind the eight ball. And you couldn't push the ball down the field. Van Jefferson, this first game back, I don't think he even had a target, right? So he was a complete, uh, he was totally uninvolved. And that's concerning. I think maybe you at least were, should have given him a deep pass just to open things up, maybe underneath. But uh, it's, this offense is puzzling if I had to put one word on it, I guess. JB, I mean, we 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 brought. Can you imagine just republishing your article now, uh, saying that it was Matthew Stafford turning the Rams into the Lions? Because you know, even if whatever the case may be, whether they're you know what whether that's drawing parallels between the two teams, you know, or whatever it is, at least I think at this point, Rams fans would go. You know, given the the tone and the tenor of the offense now through seven games, I get this. I I understand this. You know, and, and I think you know maybe you were on to something there. Of course, well, what do you think about that? Well, I'd give Stafford credit, particularly in this game, because he played mistake free football, and that's really a departure against you know even dating back to Jared Goff, Rams quarterbacks against this 49ers defense. So you know Fred Warner's made huge turnovers and turned them into defensive scores. Jimmy Ward's done it. Afonga did it last game uh, earlier this season. So, yeah, I think a lack of running game just puts too much weight on Matthew Stafford's shoulders. 
he feels he has to be above and beyond the best player on the field and you know be the driver of this offense. And when the Rams are at their best organically, it's spreading the wealth around. It's, you know, the quarterback being the point guard and distributing the ball to all these different types of skill sets. And, you know, the Rams, in some ways, their receivers are so similar. When you try out Cooper Cup, Ben Skronik, and Van Jefferson out there, those guys are, you know, 95% the same type of player. And Allen Robinson's really the only one that's different. But we haven't really seen him be involved down the field. It's more you know, these short intermediate routes. And on the red zone, you're throwing him fades. And, you know, the 49ers are ready for those fades this week, as Chris said. Wherever you had playing for the goal line, the 49ers are all over it. And uh, the Rams are just so one-dimensional. And that's not too different than the Detroit Lions when Stafford was there the last 12 years. Yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on the running backs and the running game? Because I'm looking at it and I'm looking at, you know, Cam Akers, who was inactive today, and we know why. And when you look at Akers, the season he was having, you just wonder if this is philosophical differences or if it's just a team that's hoping to get anything they can. Uh, for a player that they just need to replace, essentially. And uh, that could be part of the the case for Cam Akers. And is there – what did you see, see out of Ronnie Rivers? Is is there anything, you know, the Rams – because we know that the Rams could do something here. You know, you called for Malcolm Brown at one point, and here comes Malcolm Brown. Who would you call for at this point? I called for, for Malcolm Brown for some depth. I didn't really – <laughs> I, you know, I didn't want him to be a, a primary feature uh, because that means things have gotten bad in the run game and well things have gotten bad in the run game um, I, at this point with Cam Akers I'm going to be honest with you it his trade value is so low you might as well just keep him try to get him back in here and, and, and pound have another at least another body in there to pound the rock but it, it's got to start up front with that offensive line. It doesn't matter. Like, if we did end up getting Christian McCaffrey, he doesn't have the game that he had today for the 49ers. He doesn't have that game for the Rams because he doesn't have the offensive line in front of him to get that done. So, at True. the end of the day, we need to figure out whether it's a, a different blocking scheme, whether it's different rushing scheme in general, we do need to figure something out, but at the same time, we do need to keep in mind that this was against the 49ers. It's not like we've had too many positive rushing games against the 49ers. I'm interested to see what we do next week against the, the Buccaneers, who once had a dominant rush defense, but now has gotten gashed on the ground two consecutive weeks. So I'm interested to see if we can get Daryl Henderson going uh, in that game. Uh, I'm not really going to put anything, uh, any expectations on Ronnie Rivers. I don't know why he had eight carries and Daryl Henderson had four carries. Someone needs to explain that to me immediately. Malcolm Brown, Ma Malcolm Brown had five carries that I don't understand that distribution in the run game. Um, it needs yeah. to be clarified next week. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that's a question that Sean McVay will be getting. And I, we'll, we're going to see what happens at the trade deadline. I would be surprised if the Rams uh, didn't do – well, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I guess with the in the Rams' case and in the Rams' situation, it wouldn't be too shocking to see the Rams be involved in a move, especially if that move involves trading Cam Akers. But as you say, Chris, very not – 
good trade value. And so it doesn't really bode well for the Rams getting any sort of uh, compensation or upgrade in, in that regard with Cam Akers. I mean, we knew that Cam Akers reportedly was the fifth piece offered to the Panthers uh, that would have ra- basically matched the 49ers offer with Cam Akers and it uh, was rejected. So, you know, it doesn't bode well in that case. But I want to talk about the schedule, the next 10 games. You know, I mentioned the Buccaneers and just sort of how much they feel like, you know, as bad as their record, three and five. Um, but first, we have to talk about, I think, a couple of uh, penalties. JB, you know, we had the penalty on Ernest Jones uh, for, you know, uh, unnecessary roughness that was very costly. And then the penalty on Allen Robinson for taunting, which, you know, doesn't feel like a very good penalty uh, in the sense of does it is that should it have been called there and everything like that. But nonetheless, another costly penalty. And then the game sort of gets out of hand at that point. Thoughts on those penalties? Yeah, the penalty on Robinson is kind of ticky-tacky, but as a player, you just can't put yourself in the that situation to even be flagged. So uh, it's shame on you for, you know, being face-to-face with the guy and, you know, signaling for the first down. But on that same drive, you know, that's the next three plays later. Tyler Higby has that crucial drop on third and two. Uh, easily could have been a catch and run for a touchdown. Maybe he had a lot of room to run. But uh, I view that as a bigger mistake as a mental perspective of the game than Allen Robinson drawing that flag. But on the flip side, one with Ernest Jones, where he pushed the defender down way out of bounds, drew the unnecessary roughness. That was uh, that was malpractice, certainly. And it's just inexcusable. But the Rams just came, came unraveled emotionally. And whenever you're playing this, your rival team, someone you absolutely dislike, but you know very well, the 49ers got the best of them today. And the Rams look like a three and five team that's starting to get desperate. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Yeah, I agree on that. Uh, and we'll see. I, I We're going to talk about the schedule because I'm very interested to hear you guys' thoughts and then just how, uh, you know, how scared, bad things look right now. Chris, what were your thoughts on those penalties? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. The Allen Robinson, I, I, I can't understand why that's a penalty. You know, I was watching earlier. Um, there was one game where somebody got hit a little bit, and it wasn't a flag but he got hit a little bit because the NFL is just so soft now. If that was Ray Lewis, he would have cleaned him out. Completely different game, completely different. Nothing was associated with the Rams, but I say that to say this. A couple years ago, that's not a flag. Why is that a flag now? I mean, I understand the rules. He said he got in his face. Come on. 
you got to let these guys play. Uh, Ernest Jones, that was a penalty on any football game in any level of football. That's unacceptable. Uh, I'm surprised he wasn't flagged for his hit against McCaffrey uh, against the when the when McCaffrey was still with the Panthers. He basically suplexed them onto his head. So uh, I'd be interested to see if those guys meet up in the tunnel after the game. Uh, it's just kind of a, a missed opportunities situation, you know, missed opportunities, opportunities with blowing your, 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 your cool with the penalties. You have the a fumble that pops in the air, guys laying on the ground, waiting for it to land right in his stomach. The dropped interception by Jalen Ramsey, maybe pick six. If not, at least the Rams have great field position. Uh, JB mentioned earlier that Tyler Higby dropped. That would have gone a long way. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of plays that really could have uh, that really could have turned the tide, as in most football games. But the the lack of the lack of cool with these these penalties didn't do us any good either. Yeah, you know, my thing with the Allen Robinson penalty. And, you know, I hate to pass any sort of judgment in the moment of like, you know, maybe the, the, all I don't know what it's like emotionally to go through, you know, playing in the NFL and, and having a play and this and that and the other thing. But to me, it's just. I would I always am anti kind of celebration anyway, my favorite players, even when they score big touchdowns, to me, the biggest celebration, the most you know, the biggest taunt you can do is just to walk away like, yeah, I know how to do this. This is that would be the most braggadocious thing to me is just the players who score or do a big thing and then move on with their lives like it didn't matter because it'd be like, man, you don't even care. You just did a great you don't even care about that. Like to me, because it's like that to me would be the biggest thing. But for Allen Robinson, it's like you're having no impact on the season you know and i understand in that moment of okay it's third down and it was just it was a six yard catch you know and you're losing at home and it's a six yard catch just get the first down because it wasn't just you know the the way that he got in his face or whatever the 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 defensive player i'm pretty sure was like reacting first to how Allen Robinson was so excited that he made the first, like he was, it was before he ever got up that he was celebrating to like a big degree. And I'm like, at least have a good game first, you know, at least at this point, you still need to continue to, you know, earn that contract that you signed. So for me, it was just sort of like, why even put yourself in that situation, you know, whether it's a touchdown or six yards, but it was only six yards at home. And I think that the best celebrations uh, are just moving on with your life and just kind of going to the next play and, and acting like you've been there before. Uh, Chris, what do you think are the best celebrations or uh, any disagreement with what I said? Uh, yeah, I have a different point of view. Uh, I'm going to let you know about it. And I don't, okay. have a prob- <laughs> I don't have a problem with someone letting them know that, hey, I just bested you right now. Man to man, I just bested you. What are you going to do about it? I don't have a problem with that. Um, now, in the confines of the game, obviously, I have a problem with it's a penalty. But that, but that one was borderline. You could see in the replay, he didn't say anything to him. He stared him, held his arm forward in the first down, in the first down motion. I, I think they could have tucked the flag in their pockets on that one. 
Yeah, they could have. I agree. It wasn't a uh, it wasn't a clear one by the rules that I know. You know, players indicate first down on almost every catch. Like I said, there's an over amount of celebrating, but it's uh, it just so happens that he did it. You know, when the guy was standing right in his face, it's uh, kind of a victim of circumstances. What do you think, JB? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, speaking of celebrations, we can talk about Patrick Peterson's interception of Kyler Murray and. You know, then he played Call of Duty afterwards today and a really funny type of celebration. But yeah, uh, juxtaposed to Allen Robinson, he made a play that helped the the Vikings win that game. Allen Robinson, you were down two scores or more, as, as you said, a six yard catch. I think you did, you did a very good job hitting that nail on the head. So, yeah, to me, every the point of every celebration to me should be humor it should be something funny it shouldn't be those were to me are the best celebrate celebrations and the ones that people will talk about uh around the league like it'll be always be the funny ones that's why terrell owens was famous for it that's why ojo Cinco was famous for it give me humor give me comedy so that's a uh, good on patrick peterson um not comedy is being three and four ten games remaining you mentioned uh, the fact that the next three games are against teams with losing records, but it is still Tom Brady and Kyler Murray and a Saints team that won or uh, they looked pretty good this week, right? I don't worry, I'm just getting my weeks mixed up, mixed up. No, yeah, they beat the Raiders 24 to nothing. So, yeah, the Raiders are a bad team. And I think the Raiders might be the only bad team left on the Rams schedule. At Bucks, Cardinals, at Saints, at Chiefs, Seahawks, Raiders, at Packers, Broncos, at Chargers, Seahawks, at Seahawks. And so uh, those 10 games remaining, the Rams would need to do at least, you know, six and four um, to get a winning record, seven and three to start, you know, getting a little bit better odds of making the playoffs. Uh, JB, what are your thoughts on the remaining schedule? Yeah, I think the Buccaneers look like a struggling team, even more than the Rams are struggling at this point. And the Cardinals, no one really knows what they are. You think you get DeAndre Hopkins back and you're playing against that Thursday night game against the Saints. He is immediately your number one wide receiver again. But, you know, Kyler Murray still makes head-scratching decisions. Uh, It just doesn't seem like to be an offense that's hitting on all cylinders. It lacks creativity. And, you know, your next game against losing teams against the Saints in three weeks – and I worry about that team more with Andy Dalton running that offense. I do with Jameis Winston. They have enough playmakers to be dangerous. And Dalton can just be a distributor of the ball to those playmakers. And, you know, if the Rams are going to play back on these, you know, covered shells, you know, Andy Dalton's perfectly fine dinking Duncan all day. And I think that's one that I am worried about already in three weeks. Yeah, it's – um Three out of the next four on the road. And, you know, we saw today, as has been the case so far, that uh, SoFi Stadium can feel like the road. Uh, It sounded like something like 60% or more of the crowd was supposedly 49ers fans. I don't know how they designate. Like, I never remember checking a box to say where, but I know how they do that kind of stuff. But anyway, 60% or so. 49ers fans but yeah three out of four on the next on the road and that involves a lot of travel that involves all kinds of different situations obviously that go into home field advantage and then 
suddenly, surprisingly, the Seahawks in first place at five and three, they'll be the first game of December. Chris, what were your thoughts on that sort of schedule and the surprising Seahawks? It's not looking great, honestly. Uh, Just like you said, the Raiders and the Broncos are the only bad teams really on the schedule. Um, The Buccaneers, I never put anything past Tom Brady. Once that calendar rolls over to November, uh, that's when I start judging Tom Brady. Uh, They do seem like they have a lot of issues to fix, but I don't put anything past Tom Brady until November starts. And speaking of November, that's kind of when we hit our bad stretch last year. So hopefully that's not something that repeats Uh, the Cardinals. That's, that's honestly a coin toss, but it should favor the Rams. The Saints, just like JB said, with when you take the the turnover opportunity away by put, putting James Winston on the bench, that kind of negates uh, some opportunities for uh, interceptions and turnovers. Like I said, the Chiefs, don't even want to talk about it. The Seahawks, we got to hope for at least a split with the Seahawks. The Raiders bad team but that is going to be a frenzy Raiders crowd in Los Angeles um going to the Packers Packers struggling uh but it's in Lambeau I don't like that but they are the Packers look pretty bad without us true number one uh Broncos that should be a gift for us on Christmas Chargers coin toss Rams again uh have to split with the Seahawks at some point uh, at least split, uh, whether that's the last game of the season or whatever, it, it, it's got to be a split there. It The division is getting um, it's getting tougher as the season goes on. And then if you look across the landscape of the NFC, then you start counting playoff positions. The NFC East might send three teams. It's probably going to send three teams. NFC West may send two. And then you got your division winners across the board in the south and the north the rams are gonna have to fight for a wild card spot the way this is starting to look yeah you know and me uh and uh, jb talked earlier this week about you know uh predicting how teams would win their division in the playoffs and everything like that and it's funny just how much those things can change week to week based on the results i mean the falcons now lead the nfc south at four and four and there definitely seems to be one or two teams going to the playoffs with around 500 or below records you know nine and eight eight and nine what's really the difference so there could be a couple of those kinds of teams going into the playoffs and so the rams at three and four not out of it by any stretch but they need to start beating some of the teams uh, that they might be capable of beating like you can't lose to the buccaneers and the saints You know, those are teams that are three and five right now. And then all of a sudden you'll basically have the same record or worse. And then you would lose the head to head in any sort of wild card matchup. And you're falling out of it in the NFC West with each passing loss. So, you know, definitely each of those games becomes hugely important. And and because the Rams won the division last year, that's why they have to face the Packers And, you know, the Seahawks face the Lions. So that's the benefit and the downside of uh, winning the division or or finishing in last place. And I think the Seahawks getting a little bit of a dose of that um, last place schedule. Um, So 
it will come down probably to, you know, that last wild card spot, which could be like a nine and eight or an eight and nine team, as I said. Uh, and, and, and that's really just sort of not the place you want to be in after winning the Super Bowl. Um, Chris, I mean, as we try to get here into beating the Bucks, you know, um, what are you looking for the Rams to start doing well, you know, moving forward, maybe based on something that we've seen today or, or something that maybe we could see with a, a certain player added at the trading deadline or, or from the practice squad or something this week? I need to see the Rams establish the damn run. That's what I need to see. Find a way to get the run game going, and it helps everything out on the offense. Now your play-action game is dangerous again. We don't have a play-action game to speak of right now because we don't have a running game to speak of. So as JV said, we're so one-dimensional right now. That's a big-time problem. We get the run game going, and then we mix it in with some of the early screens that we were doing earlier today. I like that. Screens, running game, uh, quick game. We got the ball out quick early. Counter counter some of the, defici- the deficiencies that we're suffering on the offensive line. Figure out how to get that run game going, and the offense will open up. But obviously, easier said than done. Yeah, you know, it's it's the that's the really difficult part. You know, we saw a preview of the Rams also without Tyler Higby today. You know, if, if with him missing part of the game. Uh, with a neck injury so that's kind of a preview of okay now this is also going down to tight end depth uh after already being down to the third left tackle and a a right guard who was signed off the street in the season and a running back who was pulled up from the practice squad and you know all these different protection issues and and players uh who are playing for the rams you know got brian allen back this week and so that gives two out of five, you know, starting offensive linemen. Um, And, you know, maybe that's something that could also be working in LA's favor moving forward if they are able to get a little bit more health and continuity. But even a preview of seeing the team without Tyler Higby, it was like, okay, now it's, you know, tight end two or whatever, when it's really every single position other than Cooper cup and, you know, Allen Robinson is, has been the wide receiver too, I guess for the whole year and Van Jefferson coming back. But like we said, we didn't see uh, much from them today. Saw no targets go to Van Jefferson played 55% of the snaps. Uh, JB thoughts about what the Rams need to do to uh, beat the bucks next week. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Chris. 100%. You got to establish that running game, but you know, this 49ers defense is vulnerable against the run, especially when they're missing Eric Armstead, the middle of that defensive line. So even though Tom or Tampa Bay might be vulnerable in the same ways, I'm not confident that this Rams team can take advantage of it. And you know, you're getting Kyle Will- Kyron Williams back, the fifth round rookie, uh, possibly next week, or at least it seems like that's going to be the case. But a lot of people are ready to anoint him as the running back one for this team. I'm not quite ready to do so. We have never seen him take a single carry in a Rams uniform. You know, he broke his foot in organized team activities this offseason. And then, you know, in training camp or right before the preseason, he has a high ankle sprain too. So then he hasn't even played a game in in the Rams uniform. And you can't really depend on a player like that. I think the Rams need to acquire a veteran, similar to what they did with Sonny Michelle a year ago. Just someone who's steady, someone who's dependent, but can also maybe contribute in the passing game because – getting them out in space can transcend some of these offensive line issues. 
Yeah, you know, this is where a show like Hard Knocks, if there was one for general managers, which would be fascinating and is a good idea. I don't know why anybody doesn't do that. But uh, just like uh, if you could just be a fly on the wall, I would love to hear those conversations of less need with other general managers and them trying to rip off the Rams, uh, asking for their running back, you know, and just being like, well, shoot, you know, maybe I'll ask for a second round pick for Kareem Hunt or whatever, you know, just because they smell that blood in the water and that desperation. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, how those conversations are going to go. Um, before we get out of here, I still want to touch on, I'm going to touch one more time on this idea of sort of the Rams draft picks in the last few years. You know, they had a big change in the front office a couple of years ago or last year when they lost Brad Holmes um, and more from their offensive, uh, for some, from their front office and their college scouting and their pro scouting. Um, JB, what are your thoughts on, you know, the scouting that the Rams have done in the last couple few years to sort of put this team together? It just really seems across the board, the Rams lack speed. And you find, you know, who's someone who seems to be a gem in the sixth round this year and Darion Kendrick. And he's taken over that starting job at outside corner. But on a lot of those runs by Christian McCaffrey today, even, you know, he just was too slow to catch up to him. And, you know, McCaffrey just turned on the Jets and left him in the dust. And, you know, a lot there's that's the case with a lot of these Rams draft picks. You think of Jordan Fuller, Taylor Rapp, too. And you, you draft Tutu Atwell in the second round, who's probably the fastest player on your roster. And whenever he's on the field, he's excellent. And he makes plays. And he takes a jet sweep nine yards or he catches a 50-yard pass or at least takes the top off the defense for someone else to do something. So the fact the Rams can't get speed involved whenever you only have one source of speed on your roster and you can't get that involved, uh, it's very problematic. And it just, it's concerning about the team's uh, ability to evaluate talent moving forward. Yeah. It's fair to mention. Yeah. Darion Kendrick and, you know, this class, you know, whatever they become will give them time to become it. Um, it's a, it, and it's definitely also concerning to look back at the last couple of classes where there were promising players like Jordan Fuller and Robert Rochelle who do not have uh, roles really. So other than, you know, so what do you think, Chris, about, you know, the roster building here recently? I couldn't agree with JB more. We are not a fast team, and speed kills. Like, I don't really see Tua as all that great, but look at what happens when you put some speed around him. Put some speed around Matthew Stafford, you know? I know there's talks of getting Brandon Cooks. Yeah, maybe that would help. Um, That's some speed and much more reliable receiver speed and and just a better receiver overall, obviously, than uh, what we have with uh, – Tutu Atwell, but we're slow, and there's not really a standout pick from the last few drafts that's like, okay, this guy's going to be around long-term, except maybe Ernest Jones. Other than that, I mean, I don't see anything long-term that, that we've that we've got going right now. It's, it's a little concerning. All right, that's it for this instant reaction for the Turf Show Times podcast. Uh, before we got here, JB, what was the best thing you saw today in the Rams 49ers game? Your your most positive takeaway? Yeah, there's not much, but you have to be encouraged by Leonard Floyd's two sacks. Uh, maybe he had that injury earlier in the year. Maybe the bye week allowed him to recover in some ways, and uh, he looked a lot more explosive this week. It's it's good to see. 
Same question to you, Chris. What was your uh, most positive takeaway, the best thing you saw? Uh, no turnovers by Stafford. Yeah, that's a positive. Definitely. That's a big one. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, some touchdowns and, and no turnovers next week against the Buccaneers. You know, definitely build before the year as Tom Brady versus Matthew Stafford. And, and it'll still be billed that way, but with the, under a different light. So that's uh, next time here on the Turf Show Times podcast. Hit subscribe and go to TurfShowTimes.com to check out all of this post-game coverage and pre-game coverage this week.